everyone, this is Viv, and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. For this episode, I'm actually taking you abroad with Wendy, the founder of Building Education, an international organization that builds schools in Nepal and other developing countries in effort to alleviate poverty. When I met Wendy, we just hit it off. (laughs) She just shares the same passion for empowering the communities we're part of and loves traveling, loves traveling solo. And yeah, we've been friends ever since. And we're going to go ahead and hop into this episode like we haven't already been catching up for 30 minutes. But um, Thank you so much for being here, Wendy. Thank you for having me, Viv. It's a joy to talk to you. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be having this conversation, first of all, and to be featured. Of course. So tell me about building education and the things you're doing abroad and how y'all even started. Sure. Um, So building education, like you said, is a nonprofit 501c3 um, organization. And what we do is we build schools and we provide education to developing countries in the efforts to alleviate poverty. Our first project really started in a slum area and there was an education center that needed to be rebuilt there. So we basically rebuilt the school, sponsored the children for education because education comes at a cost in other developing countries. The country that we currently work in is Nepal. And then we also started to work on the infrastructure of the area as well. And, you know, I was in aviation aerospace before, and I had never left the country before. And I dove into self-development because I was searching for something more. And I remember going through this leadership program that asked me, you know, what what am I passionate about? What do I really want to do that I haven't done before that I really want to explore? And I was kind of shocked by my own answer, right? The first thing that kind of came to my mind was like, Oh, I want to travel the world. I want to work in woman empowerment. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that that was a secret passion of mine. So I decided, okay, I'm going to leave the States and go on a volunteer trip. My first international trip, and I was doing it pretty much solo. And I decided to go volunteer at a girls orphanage in India. And then after India, I found out that it was like so close to Nepal was so close to India, just like right above I thought, okay, why don't I just fly into Nepal for a few days and just check out the country? Well, first, I really fell in love with volunteer work, like really fell in love. Like I felt, I honestly felt like my heart opened. Like I can't explain what I went through. Like it was a very transformational experience. And then when I went to Nepal, I fell in love with the country. And then when I came back to the States, the 2000, 2015 earthquake happened in Nepal that killed 9,000 people, injured 22,000, destroyed 10,000 schools. And I was like, okay, I have to go back and I have to do something to help because it, the country just really touched me. So it, it really just started like that. It started like that and volunteering at other nonprofit organizations. I really want everyone to feel that. Volunteering is so transformative and I do hope that everybody gets to experience that because it can literally change your life. Did you have an aha moment that gave way to building education? The aha moment? Oh my gosh. I think the aha moment was hard because I don't think I really had an aha moment. It's funny because I was walking with my ex the other day and we initially had founded the organization together, but I had kind of like pushed him. I was like, come on, like co-found it with me. We ended up, when we split up, we like didn't do any more. We're still really great friends. So we hang out. But 
I was saying to him, I was like, I never thought that I would grow an organization to this capacity. You know, he goes, yes, you did. You knew that from the very beginning. You always said that to me, that you're going to start a nonprofit organization. I was like, did I really say that? <laughs> he was like, yeah. So to be honest, I think my aha moment was that moment in India when I was, you know, similar to what you were saying, like, my life completely transformed. And there's nothing that I want more than to be able to give it to every single person in my community in San Francisco. It changed myself. It, it connected me to something higher than myself to remember like that it's not just about us and what we have and, you know, how much money we make or our titles, but there's something so much greater out there, right? You know, in, in addition to that, it's like you're empowered to make a difference in your own life and in the world. When it came to the first school, what happened was, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because after I volunteered with All Hands, we basically, my ex and I, we were trekking the Himalayas. And we met this man named Tej BK, um, and he had a school in a slum, slum village. And he was like, hey, you know, I really need your help. And I was super resistant because I was just tired. And to be completely honest, there are a lot of not organizations necessarily, but projects that you do have to question in developing countries, right? Because some of it is for the benefit of making money and they actually use the children for that. So I knew about all the ins and outs, not all of it, but, you know, ins and outs of projects abroad. Um, so I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go look at this, but my ex had insisted. And when we found the school, it was, you know, in really bad shape. It was extremely, extremely poor. Like, to be honest, people were dying left and right. You know, there's just so many sicknesses in this area. There's no water in this area. There was no electricity. The way that people were living, it was inhumane. No streets. So after the trip, the director, Ted, she continued to message me for like six months. So I was so resistant. I was like, you know, I'm not knowledgeable enough. Like, I'm not smart enough. I'm like, don't have money myself. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But he just never gave up. And I thought, okay, fine, you know, like, let's just build one wall. <laughs> one wall led to the whole school. And then it led to led to everything else. And then really learning about the community. So we spent three years, four years in research and development. And I think we still are in research and development, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're always in R&D. You need to always be learning and improving, right? Um, can you tell me about the students and the people that you've worked with? With the children, with the students, they're quite eager, right? A lot of them want to make an impact and a lot of them are so inspired by the work that they do. They already want to become the leaders of their community. And these are the type of people, the, these are the leaders that I want to create, right? That's my whole intention. It's like, yes, we're helping you through school, but once you graduate, I want you to come back and I want you to help your own community. So we have our very first student in university. Her name is Ribica, born in one of the families in poverty. And there's a lot of gender inequality in, in, um, in Nepal. And for her to make it that far, being from such poverty is, is remarkable. She studies a lot and her dream is to come back to this community and open a clinic for all the sick people and to be able to help them, right? Like these are the people that we are creating. So I feel like when we set an example by the work that we do, we're already creating leaders. When it comes to the older members of the community, it, it takes time 
to educate and nurture their mind because it has a lot to do with mindset. Like now we host women empowerment conferences, but in the beginning, the women were very resistant to all of this, the whole idea to like entrepreneurship or getting a job or doing something to make an income. There's a lot of resistance. So it takes time and kind of meeting them halfway, you know, allowing them to create their own path, but then coming up with solutions together. It's always like encouraged from governments or from foundations that we have a model, right? Thinking that we have a one size that fits all and then we're going to scale it. We do have like a model, but then it really is so different from village to village, from community to community. And it really is about assessing their needs. And I think it's just really meeting them at their level and becoming human with them and not treating it like an experiment and giving them and educating them with certain skill sets versus giving them what you think is a solution, you know, and allowing them to choose with the education piece. Yeah, we need to be asking communities what they need if we're going to be working with them. Um, So what have you learned from the people that you're working with? I hope this is not generic, but I really just learned about compassion. I think that was the biggest thing. They really taught me compassion. And because one of the things that I remember our partner that we work with there, Tej, after we got to know each other, he said, um, you know, my heart and your heart are exactly the same, Wendy. So why is it that I was born here? And why is it that you were born there? And I just completely understood him, like what he was trying to say. The only difference between me and him is that we were born in different bodies into different countries. I didn't choose this fate in this life, just like he didn't choose his fate in his life. You know, he was born into poverty. And what it really taught me was that, like, you you are born into poverty. You're born with circumstances that sometimes in developing countries you can't change. So I felt this need and I, this desire to want to help them. Another thing is that I think that we tend to judge in developed countries, like, oh, it's the person that's receiving is like lower, right? And if we're giving, then we're higher. And I really learned that it takes just as much humility to receive as it does to give. There's no higher, there's no lower. Because can you imagine how much humility it takes to say, hey, like be vulnerable and be like, I need help. I'm not doing well. And to be able to receive and not feel Mm -hmm. useful, you know? Mm -hmm. Those are super important working in this field, you know, having compassion and empathy and being mindful of the relationship as a giver and receiver and vice versa. So what is building education's programs and work looking like right now? Oh my gosh, there's so many. (laughs) I feel like right now, I think every organization's problem in the beginning is trying to lessen our scope of work so that we can scale, scale, and go on to other villages, right? So (laughs) (laughs) I think every organization will run into that issue. Like, yes, I'm going to work on orphanages, but then they turn into an organization that does everything because everything is so related. Like, oh yeah, now I'm going to have to work on electricity, food, water, education, (laughs) everything. Everything. Well, what I really learned is Initially, we were like, okay, let's do everything. Let's turn a rural village or a poverty-stricken area into a prosperous, dignified community that complete with like water, electricity, education, and food, and da 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 da. 
But we realized that I'm like, you know, we don't specialize in anything. We're not getting better at the solutions that we have. So let's tone it down. And really, it's about partnering, partnering with organizations that will focus on water, partnering with organizations that will focus on electricity and food and medical needs, right? So for us, um, it's mostly building schools um, in rural villages because a lot of the children in, you know, the Himalaya ranges or just in Nepal in general, because 80% of Nepal is rural, they don't have access to education. They don't have access to schools. So it takes them like hours just to walk there. So we want to build more schools definitely and repair some of the schools that have been destroyed during the earthquake. The other thing is we realize since we focus on building schools and education, and that's what we believe will support in poverty alleviation, we wanted to do something for the mothers. So we host women empowerment conferences that teach entrepreneurship skills and financial literacy. And that same financial literacy and entrepreneurship skills, we we try to incorporate and give to the students as well. So it's really just two things, building schools for the children and then teaching the woman financial literacy and entrepreneurship skills to start businesses, the mothers of the children. So we're targeting the families, not just one end of it. Mm -hmm. How do you reach the families, the women and the children where they're at mindfully and culturally? Oh, to be honest, I'm still learning for the conferences themselves. I don't talk to the woman. We always outsource partners local partners in Nepal to do it because one, we're empowering their communities. And then our way of thinking is so different in a developing country. It's so different. And we have these ideals and these solutions that really just don't work. Right. So, so we try to bring on as many local partners as possible to relay the information and we have them advise. We have them tell us like what works and what doesn't work. We're hiring our very first building education in Nepal. And I feel like it's just going to make operations so much smoother. You have to learn how to navigate through the country and and navigate through people, the culture and the communities. And I think that takes a lot of talent, um, something that is very hard for us as Americans to do. It's hard. It's hard for us to step outside of our Western ideals. It's super ethnocentric to think we know how to solve problems outside of our own countries. And when we try to do that, oh my God, it can go so wrong. It can go so wrong. Oh my goodness. I remember our very first woman empowerment conference is like so planned to the T, right? Me and the VP. And even in me, in my head, I knew I was like, this is way too planned. It's not going to go according to this. The, pe- the partner organizations that we work with are extremely talented, extremely successful in Nepal, extremely educated, right? Like one of them is actually coming to the States because she got a full scholarship to a master's program here, like super intelligent, very well spoken. But even they're not as planned as Americans are because they're not up to our expectations. Like we have these high level expectations of planning and timeliness. And like, you know, everybody showed up late. The woman showed up late. Like, you know, it's like, and we have this like high level agenda that's like for executives, you know, <laughs> and, it, you know, and they looked at our, our business plan first, our business class that we had created and they, the, our partner organizations, when I looked at it, they were like, we don't even understand this. You know, like our partner, we we're like, oh, okay. So we're definitely, I forget where we were talking about, but <laughs> I mean, I forget what, what the question was, but it's definitely a process. 
I love that. I love your story about the first women empowerment conference. So it sounds like your journey has been a lot of chance happenings, trial and error, learning and growing. How would you encourage people who want to step outside their country and help others the way that you have? Steve Jobs has this quote that I um, share often, and his quote is, those that bel- that are crazy enough to believe that they can change the world usually do. And I think I, he's absolutely right. Like, so I do think that if you are an individual that you truly believe that you can change the world and you're going to stay committed and dedicated and no matter what problems you come across, you're going to stay committed to this vision and dream. Absolutely. 100%. I think every single person is empowered to make a difference in the world. It doesn't matter what caste you come from. It doesn't matter if you come from poverty. It doesn't matter if you were born in Nepal, like in a slum area, you have the power to make a difference and to make a significant impact. Um, but it starts first with your belief, your belief system. How do you see yourself in this world? You know, who do you see yourself as in this world? Um, and then all the other stuff, you know, if you really love the project, will just come naturally, right? <laughs> with hard work. I think that's interesting what you said about fitting in with the world. I actually, I've been thinking about this question a lot, which is, what is each individual responsible for in the world? And what makes you a good person? Like, what is our responsibility? How do you fit into the world? I actually love that you're sharing about that because I think at the end of the day, none of us are perfect. We can't be perfect in everything that we do. And I think every single one of us, we have a true calling and purpose in this world. I truly believe that I do. I truly believe that everyone does. And the more that you do something that is contributes back to society and you feel good about it and it's coming from a place of love and not lack, like I do this work because I see the change that it makes and it inspires me right? And it fills me. And I know that I'm choosing love. Um, I'm choosing to give. I'm choosing to continue seeing the light and hope and create something out of that. So I think if you just continue to follow what inspires you and what makes you feel good, that actually gives back to society, then that's what's important. Because, you know, there's so many things that we can do. Like, I'll be honest, I might, I might be, I think a lot of people are like, wow, I'm so inspired by the work that you do. And you're also a coach and all this stuff. But when it comes to family, like I'm not that, like I'm not, my sister's an amazing, um, contributor to the family, right? She's like the most loving. She's like the most caring. She's like, um, puts everyone above her, um, and before her. She thinks of the family first. And when it comes to me, because I'm so focused on this at, you know, it is very selfish. And if you meet athletes, like professional Olympic athletes, they're actually very selfish because they have to. There's no way that they could perform at that level that they do if they were not selfish, right? Like meaning that the sport comes first before family, before their children. It has to be the sport. And they do help a lot of people because they probably inspire a lot of people and people probably, you know, go into sports and create a lot of healing or whatnot in their lives. So I think that's such a good question. I think as long as, you know, morally you're, you're looking to do the right thing and you're following your own path and you're not intentionally um, out to hurt people, but just following what you believe is your purpose is like 
it's good enough, you know. <laughs> we, we all try can. so hard. We, we try so hard. And yeah, I've I've talked to my partner about this because he's very much not in the same nonprofit space um, that I am. And we talk about how everyone has their own purpose or role in the world to, you know, make the world a better place. And we need to balance everyone's strengths and roles. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, you know, as a quick example, you know, I'm not rich, obviously, I'm in the nonprofit world. But, you know, I have investors that are, you know, pretty wealthy. And if they didn't do the type of business and work that they did, they wouldn't be able to give to my organization or other organizations in the capacity that they do. You know, so you're right. I love that. Like everybody has their own part and we're all balanced if we just focus on on what our purpose is. Speaking of purpose and roles, you're a coach too, right? How is your coaching related to your work with building education and how did you begin coaching? I feel like for me, they go hand in hand, right? Maybe not for somebody else, but for me, they go hand in hand because I'm like, I don't think there's any, when it comes to self-development for me, because coaching is self-development, right? It's bettering ourselves. I'm like, there is no higher thing than service, right? Than giving um, and philanthropy work. And when I think back to how the nonprofit work started, it started with a self-development course that I took, the very first one that I paid for. That is what led me to nonprofit. When I went to India, my biggest realization was, okay, so for me, I lost my mother at a very young age. I was eight years old. And I, after I lost her, I began to rebel, right? I was truant in high school. I was violent, to be honest. Um, I was really aggressive. I was taking a lot of drugs and I was acting out because I felt like the world had taken something from me and it owed me. And I'm going to protect everything that I have. I'm not going to let anybody else take anything else from me. So I became violent, you know? So I was in this constantly living in fight or flight. Then I went through the self-development program that taught me more about like how the mind works and these perspectives and that your thoughts are not what's true. You are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are your thoughts and you you can control them. And at first I was still kind of touching on it. I was just like, okay, like kind of understand that. But then I went to India and when I met the girls, you know, the girls were like 12, 13, 14. Um, and a lot of them had suffered so much more, right? Like a lot of them had gone through human trafficking. Um, a lot of them, you know, one of them was raped by her father her entire life, went through six abortions. And when I met them, they were the most giving, loving people in the world. It, I think that was like kind of like my aha moment <laughs> in a sense where I was like, wait a minute this happened to me 20 years ago and yet I'm still selfish. I still feel like the world owes me something, even though I'm in like aviation, I've kind of changed my ways, but you know, everything is about what do I have? How can I get more of it? And for them, you know, they just want to love all they want to do is love. And it was in that moment that I realized I was like, I don't have to be like this. You know, why is it that I lost somebody 20 years ago and I am still thinking just of myself, yet these girls had so much happen to them, yet they have this power to give and love and continue to love. So I was like, wow, you know, we choose who we are. That was like when everything kind of like just cemented and fell into place for me. It was like, we really choose who we, who we are. So, okay, back to coaching. <laughs> um, 
When I decided to travel the world, I learned more about myself than anything because I learned different cultures. I learned different religions. I learned how people lived. I, I learned how people thought. I learned what their values were. And the truth is, country to country, you can find a completely different side of yourself. Like that's the biggest self-development journey that you could possibly find. You have to find yourself all over again in another country, whether it be Thailand or India or Spain or whatnot. And ultimately your values don't change, which is to love, right? But then I think the activities that you engage in and your personality traits change depending on who you surround yourself with. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, so that in itself was such a big self-development journey for me, just to learn who I truly was and who am I without the titles, without the money, and who can I create in each one of these countries? Who do I become? Who am I in my core? And then when I started doing more self-development stuff, coaching kind of just fell into my lap. I started coaching and it just came so naturally. And I'm like, wait, I get paid to teach people about self-development. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> right? That only, that makes so much sense. I couldn't agree more. I think service is like the bulk of self-development. Now, Wendy, before I let you go, I want to ask what drives you and what inspires you? I just love the work I do. I'm, I feel inspired and driven every single day. Like I love it. It's so much fun, right? Like I don't get paid for my work right now. Okay. I have to love it. <laughs> I'm doing it six to seven days a week. So I have to love this. Um, but you know, the, the work that I get to do is, is in, it's incredible. I feel like I have, I get to do everything. Like I get to be, learn how to become a leader. That's self, like I'm passionate about self-development. So I think there's a lot of self-development involved in nonprofit work. And then also, um, also in learning how to grow an organization and grow a team. So I think that's what drives me and inspires me because there's never, like, the journey is never ending. There's always more to learn. I love to learn. So not only do I have to like learn about a culture, but I get to learn about like, you know, an innovative solution. And I get to learn about how to build a business and I get to learn about becoming a better leader. So for me, I think that's what it is. Um, this never ending learning journey is what drives me and inspires me. And also my team, my team's amazing. You know, of course, every single time we hit like an accomplishment, that also is like, yeah, right? <laughs> okay, wait, now I have one more question. <laughs> Can you share one piece of wisdom that you have learned through your work with us? Oh my gosh, that's so hard. Um, one piece of wisdom. <laughs> to be honest, I think when it comes to that, it's just one, um, just follow love, right? Follow, follow love, follow your heart. And I think that's how everyone should live their life to follow their heart versus their head. Your mind is there to serve you. Your mind is there to figure out solutions to what your heart, to creating what your heart wants. But I think the most important thing is to follow your heart and work it out with your head. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. <laughs> oh, I love that. I recently read a quote that I'm obsessed with and it's live by your values and the rest will follow. And I think you just reaffirmed that for me. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you so much for being on our show. And honestly, every time we talk, I always love our conversations. 
Oh, thank you for having me, Viv. I love our conversations too. Yeah, you ask really great questions, and I always feel like we have so much that we can connect on. Our hearts are definitely in the same in the same place, and I'm just grateful to know you and to have somebody who's also in this industry where we can support one another. Thank you, Viv. enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.